Geeky Designer. My name is Jake Van Ness, and I'm here with Carl from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? Uh, I'm a little busy right now. Um, having a laugh. Want me to share? Oh, you're having a laugh? What, what are you laughing oh, about? Yeah. Hey, so, you know, I asked you initially uh, what your job title was. Um, you want to share that with me uh, again? This was pup, before we were recording. Pup, puppet master? Um, coloring book artist? Um, oh, wait, no, graphic designer. Oh, all right, cool, graphic designer. So uh, I pulled up the 2018 Robert Half uh, Salary Guide, which I, I love reading these things year to year because when I was an in-house designer, I just wanted to know how underpaid I was. Um, so a graphic designer, the, the way they rate these uh, uh, salaries is 25th percentile, 50th percentile, 75th and 95th. So a graphic designer in in the U.S. is supposed to make about well, 55 grand if you're in the 50th percentile. So 50% of designers are making about 55 grand. How's that sound? Now I see why you were laughing. Yeah, right. Of course, part of me is crying at the same time. So yeah, and you know this is also um, regionally. Uh, they give you regional adjustments too. So say you're in New York, kind of where you are. If you're in New York City, you're supposed to make forty percent more than that. And I can but tell if you're you in right Albany, now, I don't make forty percent more than that because I'm not in New York City. Well, if you're in Albany, you make four percent less. Quite a range for one state, huh? Well, that's that's because when you say I'm from New York, everybody would do the same thing you just did and say, "Oh, so you work in New York City." Because there is no rest of the state. We don't exist. Just ask our politicians. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, the funny thing is, uh, this report's great. It gives us some insight. They're really pushing a lot of the content creation, UI, and all that. But they're, I feel like they're getting away from what graphic design is. But that being said, they do kind of tip the hat and give all of the job titles and all of the salaries. But... I think tuition um, was just posted for um, some of the local private schools at thirty-two to forty-five thousand a year. So you're telling me I'm supposed to spend forty-five thousand a year to make forty-five thousand a year? It yeah, I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean that I now. With all of this said, obviously it is good to look at these things and look at these reports to kind of say, okay, am I – I mean it's a good way to say am I charging enough if you're on your own. But also if you're working for somebody else, you could say, hey, am I earning enough and am I being taken advantage of? Because if you are working somewhere and you're only making 35000 a year and you look at this report and you look at the region you're in and you say I should be making forty-five or fifty-five. dollars not that you're going to go to your boss and be like, I want 55000 because your boss is going to be like, here's the door and see you later. So, But it gives you an idea to say, okay, maybe this isn't the right place to work because my skill set is worth more money than this company is willing to give me. So it is good to look at these reports, but it is also good to keep in mind that these percentiles are really important, that you're a first year out of school is not going to be in the 95% or is it the other way around? No. So, 
I mean, the and the range between 25th to 95 percentile is about 20 or 30 grand. All that being said, there is some silver lining. Um, aside from that, uh, there are some considerations to do as well. Working for yourself, you're going to set your own salary. But also, uh, what if you're working virtually? You may not have some of the expenses that all the people that commute have. So salary is a very personal thing, but these are really good ben benchmarks. Now for the silver lining, uh, which brings us to news. Uh, Fox Business has this new article out, um, published September 7th this year. Uh, more companies dropping college degree degree requirement for new hires. Good. And these aren't, yeah, and these aren't small companies. These are IBM, Ernst & Young, Bank of America, Nordstrom, Google, IBM, and Apple. Um, they're no longer requiring the BFA, BS, or BA just to kind of even talk to them. That was an absurd requirement to begin with. Well, yeah, and I think that there was a different mentality years ago that you didn't have as much online learning. You didn't have as much online experience. And I think that's the thing is that they realize they have to look at experience level probably more than degrees in certain fields. Like, obviously, you're not going to go and become a doctor without a degree. You're not going to become a lawyer without a degree. But ton of apps and you've built this software or you or even hardware where you built hardware that is state-of-the-art and these companies should hire you because you figured out how to do this without going to school you've done it yourself you have played around now at the same time as somebody who used to hire my thing would be how do i if i don't go with degree how do i measure what their experience level is and how do i know that who i'm hiring is giving me the truth because obviously that piece of paper or that degree you could go and look up and say, okay, yes, they went to this school and here they are on the roster. That way I could double check that. It's a little bit harder with quote unquote experience. So that's where I think a lot of companies may be coming up with testing or real world problem solving and saying, okay, here, do this and, and explain to me how you would deal with that to kind of get an idea of that experience. Yeah. I mean, if I were to try and quantify, and this is an arbitrary statistic I'm pulling from an ether, if I want to quantify real-world experience to college teaching and experience, I would say a four-year degree of college is probably um, one year or a year and a half in the real world because things are moving so fast. You're learning so much so quickly. Um, plus the benefit of if you forget stuff, we have the web. We have all of these videos that teach us techniques once again or, or new ways to do stuff. So I think it's remarkable that companies are finally thinking of, you know, with the with unemployment rates so low, especially in the professional fields, they're beginning to cast a wider net to fill these positions. And that's, that's important. They're also, uh, as they're having um, all of these job openings, they're also hiring a lot more freelancers. And you got to experience some of that when I went on my honeymoon. You've kind of seen where the companies need us freelancers to fill in the gap because they've got a backlog of work. That's yeah, and I think long. they realize that it's a lot less expensive long term. 
for someone to hire a contractor. For example, like I covered you that week or so that you were out of town and work, which is obviously why we talk about you don't want to just have one client. But at the same time, it was a good amount of work that I could see where they're, they are backlogged. Like I know what it took me to do that project. And if they've got 10 of those projects due in a week, if it takes me 10 hours to work on that one project, then they, they can't, that's not feasible for one person that's there. But at the same time that fluctuates. And so they're, they're not going to want to hire another person and then go, Oh, darn it. Six months from now, we got to lay them off because now we're cut up. So yeah, I, th I think that's, and, and I think because they're thinking that way more now, they're realizing that they can hire people without having a degree because they're kind of doing that with contractors already. So I think it is kind of an interesting shift where they're looking at contractors, they're looking at people that don't have degrees, and, and they're realizing that sometimes those are the better people to hire. My concern also would be, are they looking at that and saying they're worth less compensation even though they, because for example, I have a good friend of mine who's an animator who makes very, very good money. And he has said to me, I obviously, my experience level, I deserve that money. But part of that reason they pay me that is because they know I went to art school and I have a ton of debt to pay back. And they know that if they didn't pay me a good enough salary, I couldn't afford to work there. So I, I, my concern would be, are some of these companies thinking, hey, we can hire people without degrees with experience who aren't requiring bigger salaries because they don't have the huge overhead of student debt. Maybe that's a good thing. And you know what? Um, if I didn't have the student debt, I would probably be okay with making that 55K that's at the 50th percentile. Because I don't have these anchors that are trying to drag us down. That being said, um, the best thing I did for adjusting my salary is quit my job. We'll get into that a little later because uh, 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 our topic is going to be an interesting thing about how to... Well, be, anyway, before we jump we'll on that, that, I think it's interesting because we had a conversation before we started about... Like you were asking me those questions, like what is your what is your title, where are you located, stuff like that, because you were looking at that report, and I think you're right. Like we bake, sorry, let me try it again. We make very different, or we bake depends. We make very different levels of income because I have a much lower overhead. One because I don't live close to this, a major city like you do. Two, like you said, your student debt. I ha so my level of income requirement is much lower than yours. So that is an interesting dynamic that I think we're going to see some adjustments to when it comes to salary. Now, at the same time, it's good to look at these reports and say, I should be making this and strive for that because that's what you're worth. And you're probably worth more than that, to be honest with you, because this is an average You know, we we do what we can. As a business owner, you should hopefully be making more than some of these numbers for the salaried employees. But you're lucky. Sometimes you five. Yeah. When you run a business yeah. for the first, what, three years? <laughs> wow. I can tell story? you I'm on the I other side of that five. 
and you did make the right choice, and my profit is still not that big. But it's enough that I'm happy because time is worth more than money to me. That's the number one thing with doing this. Yeah. And the fun thing is when you have clients that keep coming back, you expect that the life of that client, the, the income stream is oh, yeah. kind of... Those are the best. <laughs> Those are the best. They come back. All right, so it's let great. me jump into what Love I have, it. which is a little bit more lighthearted. Hey, so you- um, still some anger. <laughs> but a little bit more lighthearted. I was actually looking at an article on uh, printmag.com about the New York Times versus Batman. Now, if you're into comics, you probably have heard about this. If you're not, let me explain what happened. The New York Times spoiled a very, very important comic that was coming out. And this happened back, I want to say it happened back in July or just before July. So Batman number 50 was coming out, and if you know anything about Batman and Catwoman, there's always been that thing going back and forth between the two of them, and there was this build-up to a wedding that was going to happen in issue 50. Now, if you haven't read 50 and you're into comics and you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening. Skip ahead about probably five minutes, and then I won't spoil it for you. But for the rest of you... Basically what happened is the New York Times tried to do something funny and really, really, really pissed off a lot of people. So what they did is they ran a vows or nuptial announcement in their style section, which is where people typically put that information when they're getting married. They put an article there about Batman and Catwoman getting married. And what the problem was is right away in the headline, it read this. It just wasn't meant to be Batman. Now, we all know if somebody says that and it's a wedding, that's not a good thing. So what happened is the writer spoiled the fact that Catwoman left Batman at the altar. Now, this was three days before the comic even came out. So as you can imagine, comic book people were furious about this. And the New York Times does not have the best reputation when it comes to the comic industry. They had, back in 2009, they had stopped their bestseller list for comic books. And people were really upset about that to the point where 400 artists and writers and illustrators from comic books wrote to them and said because you ended that it has basically decreased our readership so it it was just a complete disaster but it was really interesting to read what happened how it happened and why it was such a big deal i'm going to include two links in the show notes because the printmag.com one didn't really get into exactly how it was spoiled But then I found over on Vulture.com an article that explained it better as to actually giving the headline and giving exactly what happened. But what's cool on the print mag version is the fact that they showed some of the really cool artwork that was done for the 
comic book because they actually did some experimental stuff with it and they showed some of the really cool artwork. And I know you said you really liked the one that was kind of at the top of the list, which was the drawing sketch of the two of them facing each other in the rain. And then the next picture was the colorization of that, which was really cool. So I would definitely check it out. If you like comic books, read this. If you don't know about what happened, read about what happened and then check out the artwork. It's really, really cool because that's part of what Print Mag did. They said, you know, hey, we want to really relate this to graphic designers. So they showed some of that artwork. But man, what a huge screw up. And even the guy who wrote that issue was really upset and and put a note out on Twitter to not read the New York Times and not have it spoiled. But man... New York Times, way to screw that up. Unbelievable. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it yeah, really is. Shame. It really is. Ring the bell, shame, All shame. Right, so we have an interesting topic to talk about this week. What is our topic? You actually found an article, and we're going to get into what that talks about. Sure. So this article was published by the creative group in How Design Magazine, and this is from a few months ago, but it's eight ways for creative professionals to combat boredom at work. Now, coming off the start, I'm going to say from personal experience, just quit and launch your own business. There's a comma between quit and launch your own business and keep the client that you were working with if you enjoy that work, if you enjoy that niche. Um, and if you're kind of allowed to, but, um, you don't necessarily have to quit. There are other things that you can do when you are bored at work. I work for myself and I still sometimes need to get out of my element. And we've talked about this, getting out of your own way and just going to explore a bit, but there are other things to do when you're bored at work. And this article gives us eight ideas and you had mentioned you may have a couple others as well. So I thought we may take this uh, list, you know, let number by number kind of talk. So, yeah, so we're going to start with number one, which says, look at the big picture. My thought on that is the whole adage of do what you love and you'll never feel like you work a day of your life. Part of me is like, (laughs) you're really funny because that's not true. But two I have to agree with that. Like you have to do something that you want to do, that you love to do. And if you could figure out how to do that as a job, that's huge because that will make going to work, doing the work, putting in the extra time, busting your butt when you need to much easier than if you do something that you absolutely hate. Now I totally understand. I've worked places where I had to work just to work, to get a paycheck, to make ends meet and do that. But eventually the idea is to find what you're passionate about and to look at the big picture and say, how can I make a career where I'm happy and I'm doing something that I'm happy about? Now, um, when I think big picture, within the training at uh, one of my companies, we used to kind of have this model that was talking about the big picture. And within this idea of looking at the big picture, there was an idea of implementation. Now. Tying this back to freelancing with clients, you can be part of their big picture. You can be one of the tools that they use to carry them forward to what their big picture may be. Now, the idea of big picture is for the for one of my clients was 
Where are we now? Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? Well, partner with your clients. You can become part of that big picture, that vision. And that incorporates uh, kind of getting a little deeper into what they do day to day and understanding their business. We should be doing this anyway, especially if we're trying to help brand a business. Uh, we need to kind of help our clients establish that big picture. What do they want their businesses to be? So how does this help? Well, I think that, that ties right into number two, which is request other right. tasks. And I think while that's, again, talking about working for somebody else, working for yourself, it's kind of the same thing. You're saying, okay, we're trying to develop a brand what are you doing for video marketing? What are you doing for your website design? What are you doing for your blog? Or what are you doing for your podcast? Or like, what are your other things? And what can I help you with in other areas? And I, I have a great example of that. I'm working on a video right now. Now, I'm a graphic designer by trade, and I'm a print designer by trade. Video is not something that I would say I'm very, very comfortable with. But I found a client that's willing to let me experiment with that and get experience with it. And so I'm really fortunate to have it. So that's a task that's outside of the typical branding that I would normally do or the print design or the graphic design that I would normally and do. This, the same challenge has been presented to me as well. Um, so, you know, you, we look at the big picture and, you know, you may still be bored. But it does drive into the second thing, finding other tasks. One of the things that yeah. I love yeah. is learning. And I, like you, have had a client say to me, hey, do you know the system of uh, e-learning? Do you know how this thing works? Can you figure it out? And I said, let me investigate. Give me some time and I'll figure out if I can work on the deliverables. Ultimately, I'm expecting it to be simple videos or perhaps PowerPoint presentations that have uh, voiceover, or maybe they're just JPEG cards. Who knows? Either way, I'm. if you're partnered with your client, you'll be able to find other tasks which will make you better money, or they'll, they'll um, continue your relationship of getting in a little deeper with your client and partnering with them. You'll find that a lot of my advice with uh, working as a freelancer is being a, a partner with all of your clients, not just being a hired gun. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got the you've got the big picture. You've got re requesting other tasks or doing other things outside of what you normally do, and then the way you do those things outside is by learning something new. And that's number three on this list. And I agree with you. And whether it's for a client or whether it's yourself, you really should always be learning. You always should be studying what new things are going on, what new software is out there, what new tips and tricks you can learn. Now, obviously, be careful, and our friend Tawny talks about this in one of her blog posts, don't get stuck in that learning phase where you always just learn and you don't actually implement any of that. So be careful that you don't fall into that trap. And I would highly recommend that you check out her blog post about not getting stuck in that learning phase all the time. The next thing that they talk about is volunteering. And while I don't know that I've done a lot of that, I think that's an interesting thing because you could volunteer for a type of business that isn't what you typically work with. So say you don't typically work with pet sitters, 
or you don't work with animals typically and you say, okay, I'm going to go to the SBCA and I'm going to say, hey, let me volunteer and design a pamphlet for you as well as come in and maybe help walk the dogs, help feed the dogs and the cats. Like that's an interesting thing because it's about doing something different. And I think as an employer, a lot of employers like it if you say, hey, I'm going to go volunteer and do this. Because the other thing is you can drag your other teammates, your other employee employees with you to do that. And you can also find a new niche uh, to work within. So you mentioned uh, working with an adoption agency. You're going to be creating these visuals or participating in these uh, events that will get you connected in kind of it's it's field research really. Um, you'll you'll be able to make connections that your brain just doesn't know other than just looking online. And I recommend you get into the element of markets that you want to work with. Um, volunteering is a good distraction. It serves a good purpose if it's a cause that you believe in. Um, and it's a good way to network too. It's, it's huge as a networking opportunity. So I definitely uh, encourage volunteering. I, I do some work where I actually volunteer to do branding for other companies. And then I come up with the ideas and hand them off to other people to do the work. But I do the kind of thought yeah. process. And I'm going to skip the next one on their list, but the only because number six, I think, kind of goes with volunteering. It's getting involved in mentoring. So that's, uh, to be completely honest with you, this is what this podcast is about, is Carl and I want to mentor designers who are new to the field or up and coming that are curious about what it's like to work for themselves or work for other people. So I think mentoring is huge, and it's funny because it doesn't have to be like a real formal mentoring. It can be like your friend that we talk to or you talk to where you just say, hey, you know, talk to me, and, and they had some questions, and you answer those questions. That's not a formal situation. It's a very informal mentoring, but it's still mentoring, and it's still volunteering because you're not necessarily getting paid to do that. Yeah. Now, I know that we had skipped the last one, but this is a uh, one that we had talked about a lot already attending inspiring events. Yeah. Either being trade shows, uh, the creative mornings is another one I mentioned before. These can be art related or they can be uh, other, they don't have to be design related. They could be just a gallery opening or a wine tasting or something. Yeah. Yep. Something that kind of gets you, uh, meeting other people, other creatives, perhaps. You never know. You just got to talk about what you do, and then people start building relationships based on that. Well, and that's I went to the Creative Pro Conference two years ago. I've gone to Adobe um, Max years and years ago, but I've also done things on a much smaller scale. Like we have um, a creative summit, a creative group, that is here in the upstate New York area because they're trying to make that field bigger. So it's everything from clothing designers to photographers to graphic designers, web designers, and, and it's an interesting thing that they're doing locally. So look for those things locally as well as obviously look for the, the bigger conferences because they're exciting, they're fun, they're expensive, but they're I, I will tell you they're worth it 
no matter how much you think they're overpriced, they're definitely worth what you get out of it. But look for the more small local things. And there's places like meetup.com that you can look that are very, very localized. And like I, I'm, I love photography. I do some photography and that's, I go to meetup.com to look for photography groups to get together with. So it doesn't necessarily, like you said, have to do with just your creative field. You could be doing stuff outside of that. Hey, for me, it'd be gaming groups at the local board yeah. game cafes. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so next it says, literally change your view. And we do this all the time. We just get up and screw it. I'm going out. <laughs> yeah. And I do this at least twice a day. Um, you change your view. Maybe you go walk in nature. Maybe you um, take your system and you go and work on the, the green greenway out in boston who knows um well and i I have a situation where because of the business journals i work with they have an office space in here in town and i probably utilize that and i and i like to call it like a co-working space because it almost is because i'm contracted with them to do the layout the nice thing is part of that is he gave me a key to that office and said hey use it whenever you want so I can go to and have meetings there and I can go and work there. And it's great because it's a different environment. It's it's almost a more corporate strict environment because when I walk in there, I'm like, okay, I'm in an office and I need to work. And granted, my home office is the same thing. But I can tell you right now, like I'm looking in the backyard and it's big green and mountains and pouring. It's absolutely miserable weather right now. But it's it's a much more relaxed environment where I go to the office in town. It's downtown. You hear the fire trucks. You hear stuff like that. So you know you're in a much more corporate environment. And I'll do that when I'm at home and I'm like, I just can't concentrate. I can't get my head in the game. I'm bored with what I'm doing. Get in the car, go downtown, go to the office downtown and work there. And I know you work at a coffee shop quite a bit for that reason too. Yeah, several actually. Cafe Nero, Kushal, a couple of us. Yeah. Um, or I, I'll i take my dog out to the dog park and just chat with whoever's there. That's a good way to kind of bounce ideas off people because when you start talking, you know, you never know what you're going to talk about. Well, and that, that's kind of what I was saying to you. Some of the stuff that I wanted to add to this list is give yourself a break. Like one of the things I will tell you is don't, don't, Burn yourself out. Like when you work for yourself, one of the best things about that is you can say, I, I just don't have it. I don't have it today. Or I don't have it for the next couple hours. Take a deep breath. Go to the dog park. Go for a walk. Get away from your stuff. Do it for an hour. Do it for two hours. Do it for half a day. Meet some friends for lunch. Take a deep breath. And if you got it, go back and say, okay, I took a break. I'm going to go back to work. But maybe that's a full day. Maybe you say, okay, I just don't have it today and I need to not work today. I have plenty of those. Like there'll be Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays where I'm like, nope, I'm not working today. Now, does that mean I have to work Saturday or Sunday? Yeah. But you know what? That's the freedom that I will not give up working for myself. That means more to me than money going back to what we talked about earlier. But it doesn't mean it has to be a full day. It could be a couple hours. Like you just might need to 
step away, step away from, from whatever you're working and say, you know what? I'm okay. I just need to take a break. Same token, switch up the projects you're working on. Like I'm doing that video right now and I'm trying to do color correction. And I've had a couple times where I'm doing color correction and I'm just banging my head off the desk trying to get it to work. And I'm really frustrated. I can't do it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to shut that. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to change my environment and I'm going to change what I'm working on. So I went downtown. I went to the office. I met with a new client and then I sat down and I worked on a newsletter. Worked there for a couple hours, came back, sat down, and for some reason, it was much easier to, to color correct that video, and it just flowed, and it just worked. Sometimes you're, you're your own worst enemy when it comes to that frustration or that boredom. Yeah, I I just think of uh, the movie um, History of the World Part 1, where Caesar shouts out to everyone, Amuse is upon me. <laughs> That's when the god visits him yep. and he has an idea. So uh, we kind of need those moments where the idea hits us. So um, a sidebar on this is always carry a notebook with you and a pen to capture those ideas. That's Absolutely. one of the biggest mistakes I've made where I don't carry that. And I'm like, damn, I really want to write something now. Anyway. And, and I think... Do that with if like yes, you have your phone, you have notepad, but I can tell you right now, if you look at my notepad, there is so much garbage in there, there's so much like crazy stuff in there, it doesn't work as well. A physical paper pen and paper notebook is huge and it makes such a big difference and you can write down just little ideas, little projects you want to work on, and then it's in a physical form. Just don't lose that notebook. I've had plenty of friends have done that. <laughs> As you change your view, there's one other thing to consider on this list. It's socialize more. Now we all need to do that. We do this with our we we have it built into our schedule with our BNI yeah. meetings. Um, yeah, where we socialize with other business business owners. But then there are these things that come up where you know we we have town days locally in the Boston area where. Every town has their own kind of uh, get out and, you know, socialize with everyone and have fun. The kids have a great time. The politicians get to shake some hands and businesses get to advertise. I like to attend these town days. One of my clients actually um, ran a food truck event uh, the other day over in Middleton. And that's what we did for Saturday. Uh, we just right off the cuff. Hey, there's a food truck thing. Let's go to it. 10-minute drive, we brought our dog, and we got to socialize with a bunch of new new people in the area. And a lot of them need help as a graphic designer, so I can help them. <laughs> that being said, um, share a drink with someone. Invite your clients out to eat, eat meals, socialize. This is very important. Yeah, especially if you work for yourself. I mean, Carl and I both, yes, we have BNI, and BNI on top of our weekly meeting has what they call one-on-ones and they want us to meet with other business owners that are in the group to kind of say, Hey, you know, learn more about each other, socialize, like build relationships. Cause that's what business is all about. And I've said this ton of times on here and I say it all the time to my friends. It's who, you know, business is 100% who, you know, you can be the smartest guy in the room, but if you lock yourself in a room and it's just you, 
does you no good. So socializing is huge. The other thing that I, I think I want to, it, it's the same thing with socialization is the same thing with changing of view. It is respect how you feel. Respect when you're frustrated. Respect when you need that break. I want to emphasize that because as people that work for yourself, but even if you work for somebody else, respect the fact that you may need to step away and say, okay, I need to take lunch or I need to have my weekends. Like I was harassing one of my uh, contacts at the uh, printer that I use, good good printer I use, kind of built really good relationship with them. I had emailed them something on Saturday just saying, hey, you know, here's the shipping address for the package going out on Monday. And she answered me on Sunday. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, what are you doing? Now, she works for the print company. She's not a high, like, she's not the head salesperson. She's not a business owner. I'm like, what are you doing answering emails on a Sunday? And I know I'm doing that, but I own my own business, so I expect to do that. Like, what are you doing? And she goes, you know what? It's a bad habit, and it's my way to stay on top of things. Be careful of that. Be careful you don't get into that routine because that can really drag you down because you never get the breaks that you need. You never get the time off that you need. So it's really important to do that. That being said, be careful of freelancers because we will answer the emails on the weekend because our hours are our own. And if you're an inside company employee chatting with a freelancer, we're going to respond. So yeah, be careful. Yeah. Respect it, especially if you're working within a company. And then one other thing that I wanted to add to this list is find side projects. And that goes along the, the idea of mentoring. It goes along the idea of volunteering. But it could also be just, hey, I like to draw. So sit down and find the time to draw. Or in my case, I like to do video and I like to do photography. So I find the time within my business, but also as leisure time to do those things as well. Like be cre find other ways to be creative other than business all the time work all the time because that's a quick way to get burned out is if all you focus on is getting it done that production mentality that you lose the creative part of that so find ways to be creative in other ways and try some other stuff like if you've never painted before buy a paint set try it be creative in that way so it, it's finding other things that you can do yeah and for me, that's uh, working with the convention that runs an event twice a year. Yes, it, we just did our Summer Sizzler event yesterday, and I was there to coordinate three vendors that just wanted to sell at this thing. And then, you know, hang out with the people that I see a few times a year. It was yeah. great, a lot of fun, and it was a very different thing than focused on design all the time. So. And, and to go back to what Carl said at the very beginning of this conversation— if you find yourself bored constantly at work, find another job. Look for another job. If you're that unhappy at work, yes, it's scary to quit a job for another job. It's You don't know what every day is going to be like. 
but don't torture yourself. Don't put yourself in that situation where you feel like that's all you have to do. Like, we've talked about this, that even while we work for ourselves, we constantly hear about other jobs going on around us and what positions are available. If you work for somebody else, at no point should you ever be complacent enough that you're not looking and seeing what's out there that's better. Unfortunately, and I th- we've talked about this in other podcasts, loyalty from a company standpoint isn't there. Loyalty from an employee standpoint isn't there. So don't play that game. If you're that unhappy or if you're that bored, maybe that's not the right position for you. Maybe that's and, and maybe it's just moving a position in the company as well. But if you're that unhappy and you're that bored, and I put those two together because I think if you're unhappy, it's easier to get bored. And if you're bored for a long time, it turns into being unhappy. So if that's happening, start looking for other work. It's it's not a bad thing. All right, so let's jump into our recommendations. But we're actually going to put a twist on this. Yeah, Wait. it's uh, Monday night, so uh, <laughs> we're yes. having delicious beverages instead of recommendations. Yes, because it's been that kind of Monday. What are you drinking? So I am actually drinking Black Bottle that you sent me from Scotland. And it is a blended scotch whiskey without the E in whiskey because it's from Scotland. Which, by the way, I saw that comment on one of your Facebook posts, which I thought was great. So it's called Black Bottle, and it is delicious. It is a little smoky, but it is a delicious uh, scotch whiskey. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, single malt that I was introduced at the Scottish Experience, which is um, right outside Edinburgh Castle. It's kind of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for adults. You literally <laughs> ride in a barrel, uh, a massive keg, through this little ride where they explain the process, and there's this like projected ghost talking to you. Really? And then you go through a tasting and you kind of learn the techniques and then you see one of the most impressive collections of Scott, uh, scotch. And then you just kind of, there it is. So this is Glen Morey single malt scotch whiskey aged 12 years in the, Ooh. in an American cask. Nice. This, uh, particular whiskey is from Speyside, which does not have a smoky flavor because it's not, they don't use peat to uh, dry the, the uh, grain. Okay. It's, it's kind of sweet. And I recommend pairing um, scotches with some chocolate. you got to find the right ones that will pair with it. I just had some dark truffle chocolate, and it was pretty good. Uh, this is also says Elgin Heritage, which I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> But it's damn tasty. So. so here's my question. Do you take it neat on the rocks with water? So if you're having a single malt, you always drink it neat. Or if you have a whiskey stone, never use ice. The only thing with single malts that you should be doing is, um, so we talked about the angel share, the share that evaporates every... I don't think you told that story on the podcast. Right, so, so why don't you tell us about that? So when you make single malt, um, every year 2% evaporates from the barrels. They call it the angel's share. 
Now, when you are drinking the scotch, if you want to add water, you do it a drop at a time and it really opens the flavor. They call that Angel's Tears. I think ah. One of the so you but you do a water drop by drop. We actually have a product that's the Highland Water. It's from one of the sources. And you can kind of pair the specific water from the regions. And it really just opens up the flavor a little more. Uh-huh. Um, kind of like chocolate, how it affects the flavor of the scotch. A little water helps too, but you don't want to do uh, water. You don't want to do uh, ice because it'll water it down way yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah and like also, yep. like they said, don't drink this like a shot. You're wasting your money. <laughs> if you can get Jim Beam or get uh, Canadian, I forget the name of that stuff. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, this is a sipping drink. So, cheers. Very cool. Very cool. Cheers. And I agree with you with the rocks. Like I, I was always somebody who did it over ice and I, I enjoyed that and, and I learned as I had better whiskeys, better scotch that I was better off with the the stones and so I wanna say a couple of years ago for my birthday somebody actually bought me stones and it's the best. Now I went to a local place and it's funny because this place touted that it was a whiskey bar and I walked in and I looked at the menu and I went Okay, yes, you have whiskey. But this is very disappointing because it's nothing unique. But what I thought was cool is they actually knew how to serve it. So one of the things, if you do get it on ice, is you get one ice cube. And it is typically big enough to be a stone. And the reason for that is that, yes, it will water things down a little bit. But because it's so big... You tend you will end up drinking the whiskey before it's all watered down. So very cool, and I really appreciate that you sent this to me. I've, I've enjoyed this. I actually shared it with my neighbor as well, who likes scotch. Sounds like you've enjoyed it pretty quickly too. <laughs> well, it is a Monday. <laughs> no, it's I. I haven't been that bad with this. <laughs> nice, well, but but yeah, it's it's definitely good, and I appreciate it. So thank you. You're welcome. And the way I see it is this whiskey is going to evaporate at 2% a year. You might as well drink it. Yes. If your whiskey lasts more than a year, send it to me because I'll make sure that that 2% doesn't disappear. And that's volunteerism. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that. So I think that's where we're going to close off for today. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, show notes are at rookiedesigner.com slash rd175. That's where you can find all the links to what we've talked about today, including the news articles, including the article about uh, basically being bored at work and how to deal with that. And then we'll actually have some links to the uh, whiskey scotch that we've been drinking tonight. And remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. 